Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Liverpool.com podcast. My name is Mo Stewart. I am your host, and I'm joined by my regular crew, uh, James Martin and Matt Addison. And the reason I'm joined by these is we're kind of in the middle of something, aren't we, guys? We're going through our little alternative version of Liverpool's recent history. For those of you who weren't with us last week, we kind of piggybacked off the back of this Manchester City news, looking at what that could potentially mean, maybe going back through history, some of the more difficult moments we've had to endure, maybe some decisions that we've made that didn't quite pan out, and seeing that if we change one or maybe two of them, what would happen? Would we actually be in a better position? And the people above me, James and Matt, they get to be John Henry for the course of this game. And they make a new decision every season. And then kind of like Dungeons and Dragons, it's a little a bit of an adventure story and we find out where we are. So we went through the first three seasons of the game, 14, 15, 15, 16 and 16, 17. So we are currently in the middle of the summer of 2018. Uh, a world in which both of these two have just made Liverpool European champions, by the way. <clears throat> and we're going to have three more seasons to catch us up to speed to see exactly how we do. Now, before we go into all of that, I thought I would do a little bit more of explaining about exactly what this show is. Because it seems some of you in the comments were a little bit confused. We had a few of uh, people saying, what is the point of this? Or why are we not talking about transfers and such like? Um, I can see that the two of you already are finding this funny because we literally do nothing else in Liverpool.com. But I thought I would answer it just for those of you who are unaware. So, once again, let me assure you, there is not the merest whiff of a transfer that does not get extensive coverage on Liverpool.com from our team of crack writers, three of whom are looking at you right now. Um I'm telling you, whether an agent puts out an emoji, whether an internet ITK decides they want to shake a few trees, we will be there. We also have the very excellent Blood Red podcast with a different cast of guests and often different opinions and subject matters. In the five days since we recorded part one, they've done three different shows all about transfers. So occasionally we like to have some of the other conversations that football fans normally have especially at this time of year where we have a whole new season ahead of us with limitless possibilities just around the corner so we talk about where we are now compared to where we've been we look back at things that have passed we talk about what we would do if we were in charge not every football conversation has to be really serious and important look i see what you lot all talk about on the internet i know that's true so, this is just a bit of fun, an alternative look at some of the things we've debated ad nauseum in the past. If that's not for you, so be it. But I just wanted to let you know exactly what you're letting yourselves in for. James and Matt, you two have a little bit on one idea of what you're letting yourselves in for. But as I mentioned just before the show started, it's about to get harder. James, are you prepared for this? Well, I sure we'll see, won't we? But... Um... Yeah, I'm not a fan of that, but we'll see how it goes. <laughs> well, I have to say that there are some people within Liverpool.com world who felt I went a little bit easy on you two, particularly around the ideas of Jurgen Klopp and Mo Salah, Matt. So I feel like you were probably expecting me to come down, but trust me, the hammer is coming down hard. 
Yeah, no, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I think uh, you were maybe not quite harsh enough last week. Maybe, yeah, uh, maybe you can go a little bit overboard this week and, and balance it out. We'll see. Well, I mean, it's not really in my nature, mate. You know me. <laughs> I'm a nice guy. But this is the hard world of top-level football, so sometimes we have to have some consequences. So before we get into what little traps I've laid for you in the next section, let's kind of do a recap of where we are. Now, James, let's run through your options first. In the 14-15 season, you decided to guarantee an injury-free Daniel Sturridge which, I mean, frankly, I just would have loved to see it, let alone choose it. You then went into the next season and decided Liverpool would win the Europa League final. I'm sure, once again, that was a very popular choice. Uh, the season after that, 16-17, you have decided that Sadio Mane is not going to go to the African Cup of Nations. He has no need. Whether there's another tournament or not, we don't know. And finally, as I mentioned earlier, the Liverpool disaster that was Kiev in the Champions League final has been erased. Liverpool win that trophy and I believe Albert Moreno was the captain and uh, match winner. Was it captain and match winner? Did you go that far? <laughs> I never gave him the armband, but you know, why not? He can have it if he wants. But yeah, he scored the winner. He scored the winner. Oh, there we go. Yeah. So, I mean, let's face it, we're already way off the plantation with that one. So, what's the matter of an armband? Let's see. Uh, as for you, Matt, uh, you kind of went a little bit down the more pragmatic route, but we'll see if that pays off for you in the future. Uh, in 14-15, rather than securing Sturridge's injury, you secured Luis Suarez a signature and got him to sign a new deal instead of heading off to Barcelona. And then you repeated the trick 12 months later with Raheem Sterling keeping him out of Manchester City's clutches. Bit of a packed squad there you've got there, Matt. Interesting. Uh, you also decided to keep Mane for the whole of January in 16-17 and for Liverpool to beat Madrid in Kiev to win the Champions League. So, a couple of European champions probably feeling quite good about themselves, aren't you? Well, let's ruin that, shall we? Okay, Matt, let's start with you. Now, as I mentioned just there, you do still have Raheem Sterling. Um, but Manchester City have not gone away. We have seen this summer and plenty others that when they get a bee in their bonnet, they keep trying to get it. And it's got a lot more difficult because despite Liverpool being European champions, despite the fact that Real Madrid were the team who we vanquished, they still haven't gone away. And Cristiano Ronaldo has gone and they still need a superstar to replace him. And... We've got to a situation now where Salah's starting to think, having won the European Cup, maybe it's time for me to move on. Having had such a massive impact in that season, become a generational player who transcended football. If you think about it, he was on the covers of Time magazine and everywhere. He was everywhere. Real Madrid loved that kind of guy. They were working really hard to get him. And then you have to think about your squad and where you're going and what you're doing and how are you going to grow this team and how are you going to give everyone enough minutes to survive? And unfortunately, for you, Matt, it's come down to a straight swap. You either have to sell Raheem Sterling to Manchester City, strengthen our direct rivals for the title, or we sell Mo, uh, Mo Salah to Real Madrid after just one season and use that money to go after a certain Mr. Frenchman called Kylian Mbappe. 
Now, I said go after. There are no guarantees in this game. But you do have to sell one of them. Obviously, Mbappe is going to be a hard purchase. We won't be the only ones after his signature. But these are your decisions, Matt. What are you thinking? Wow. Yeah, you did say you were going to make it tougher. Um, that, that certainly is tough. Um, I think it's tough for a couple of reasons, actually. I think it's tough because, obviously, at this point in time, in this sort of alternate reality, it would be very hard to see Liverpool selling a player to Manchester City. I think they were very reluctant to do it in 2015. Mm -hmm. But three years later, obviously now very, very similar in terms of, of quality and, and that sort of thing. They're obviously still at this point trying to win a league title in my alternate reality. They've, they've become European champions, but they're still trying to, to get that trophy off Manchester City. So I think it would be very, very hard to, to see that happening. But of course, it is preferable to losing Mohamed Salah after just one season. Um, obviously, going to, to Real Madrid at that time, I think, is slightly more realistic, potentially. I, I don't think that would be... Um, completely out of the question for, for Liverpool. So it is a real, real tough one. I mean, Kylian Mbappe makes it even more interesting. But I think the fact that you've you've given me the the two, I think I've got to look at it purely and simply of which one would you rather lose, Sterling or Salah? As much as it's hard to to sort of say that this would ever be realistic. And again, I, I know the, the sort of ramifications are, are quite interesting of it, but I'd be tempted to go with, with losing Raheem Sterling to Manchester City. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's very easy to say that, I suppose, in hindsight, because it's three years after Liverpool actually lost into Manchester City. Uh, so maybe it's slightly more realistic in that sense. But yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with that, I think. I think mm -hmm. Sterling, obviously, at that point, has been at Liverpool for, for longer. He could maybe argue that he'd achieve what he wanted to achieve there, could go somewhere else. Mohamed Salah's just come off a brilliant season. Would you want to lose him after one season? Probably not. So, yeah, I, I'm edging just about towards losing Sterling. I think that's a pragmatic move. I, I understand it. I obviously, at that point, the idea of Liverpool selling Mo Salah, this guy who we literally looked like we'd found some kind of magic, unwittingly found this magic, because as I said last week, no one really expected him to be the player he was after that first season in particular. So you kind of think that to, to lose a guy like that really does hurt you. But then, James, you've got to think about the idea of the ambition of a club. And at that point, we were still trying to shake this idea of being a selling club. Now, you are going to have a very similar dilemma. Now, you don't have Raheem Sterling in your world, but you do still have Mo Salah and you do still have a Real Madrid who are interested in Mo Salah. And so the Mbappe question is put to you as well. One other thing that I should point out, this is 2018 summer. Kylian Mbappe has just won the World Cup for France in spectacular fashion. The statements that it would make for Liverpool Football Club as European champions to go out and sign the superstar who won the World Cup for France is kind of the move that everyone has been begging Liverpool to make when we have been successful in recent seasons. So that's the question. Do you think that that is the right time to transcend or are you sticking with Mo Salah? Well, if anything, it's the worst time to try and do it because he's just 
the, the price is going to be astronomical. And even mm. if even if somehow you can find the figure which makes PSG go, yes, we'll do it. He is at PSG at this point, right? Yeah. Um, um, no, uh, no. 20, 2017, I think it was that he moved, isn't it? Yeah, so he's, he's, still, he's still on loan, but yeah. the option is there. So, yeah, you're right. In order to kind of hijack that deal, we would probably have to go pretty big. Yeah, um, it's... And then it, it, there's the wages question as well. Even if you have this kind of Mo Salah money burning a hole in your pocket from Real Madrid, and maybe that's enough to get the transfer fee sorted, you're still going to get blown out of the water on wages by PSG. They could put a new deal on the table for pretty much whatever numbers Mbappe wanted to write down. So, yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's the same case today in the real life. It's just there are so many obstacles to it, even if the transfer fee could be sorted. So, particularly coming off the back of that hugely impactful season, I, w- I would still be inclined to stick with Mo Salah. See, this is what I wanted to highlight. We all think that we should eventually, at some point, sign Kylian Mbappe. But when is the right time? It's not as easy as we all make it out, is it? So, okay, you guys have both made your decisions and Mo Salah is in situ, both of you. Highly unsurprising. Now, one other bit of information I should tell you about this time is that with Liverpool being European champions, um, that we've had a change of heart from someone within the squad. And suddenly, Emre Chan, the man that the club did not want to leave, is suddenly going to sign a new contract and he's going to stay at the club. Jurgen Klopp's very happy about this. Now, Coutinho has obviously still been sold. Naby Keita deal had been done 12 months before, so he comes into the squad at the same time. I'm not going to say you can't sign Fabinho. I am going to say that it may not have happened had Emre Chan stayed. But I ain't going to do you like that. What I will say is you have to factor in a potentially unhappy Emre Chan into this squad when you think about the fact that he's just been persuaded to sign a new contract and suddenly this Brazilian guy comes in and a higher price as well. So that's just something else I'm just... Sprinkling into the mix. So, let's move on to the next season, 18-19 season, a season that Liverpool actually did end as European champions. Once again, I'm giving you three options of things to change, and you have your initial option to change. You make the decision. I will tell you the potential consequences of those changes, and then we'll see if everyone wants to change their mind. Okay, so, these are your three options. Option one, you probably guessed this was coming. That disallowed goal at the Etihad would be reinstated. Those 1.2 millimetres would be no more. That is a goal. <clears throat> now, that is all I'm saying. I'm not saying that Liverpool win that game, as lots of people believe they would have, having scored the first goal. I'm not even saying whatever knock-on effects that has on the title race right now. All I'm telling you is that goal is now a goal. Option two, at the end of this season, 18-19 season, after becoming European champions, Liverpool decide to sell Divock Origi to Wolverhampton Wanderers for £30 million. That's your option two. Option three, after being bested by Liverpool again in the Champions League, we're not going to tell you what happens in the league just yet, Guardiola decides to leave Manchester City for Juventus. 
at the end of the season. There was a time at that point where he wasn't sure he was going to sign his new deal. There were lots of talk about the fact that he only stays a very specific amount of time, very much like Jurgen Klopp does. And so that came into play and he decided to move on to pass his new. You can make that happen. Those are your three options. So, James, for your initial feelings and thoughts off the back of those three, which one do you think is the most appealing? Yeah, well, you've done well there. It's a nice set of three. There's no particular standout, I don't think. There's definitely reasons to like all of those. Um, but I think everyone's gut instinct is probably going to be that that 1.2 millimetres. It's just, it's it's been grating on everyone ever since. Um, the league title afterwards in real life helped a bit, but like, still, you, if you wanted to go back and change change one thing recently, that would be forefront in a lot of people's minds and I'm no different I I don't know what the consequences are going to be in your twisted world but um I have to I have to take that the, the, the goal it went in hey the real world's pretty twisted James it's trying to make you realize that now Matt James is right that is something that's burned into all Liverpool fans minds uh it was such a pivotal game in terms of the whole season obviously there was still a long way to go at that point. The game was happening in, I think it was 3rd of January. So Liverpool had plenty of games. But the way that both teams were so consistent, Liverpool and Man City, towards the end of the season, it ended up becoming a pivotal moment. So are you going to choose it just like James? I think I am. Um, it is the one that instinctively jumps out at you, isn't it? I mean, Dibok Origi, I think the end of that season would have been the right time to have told him. I think he would have got a lot more money, certainly, what, than what you would have got now. He's not done a huge amount since then. Um, but at this moment in time, obviously, there's other more important things to think about. Pep Guardiola leaving is interesting. I don't think Manchester City get anywhere near, you know, 100 points without him. But maybe they can get sort of 90. And even that is is difficult for, for Liverpool in following seasons. So yeah. it's uh it's it's a tough one in terms of, of between obviously not the Origi one, but the other two, I think, is is kind of the toss-up. Um but I think Manchester City have got such good resources. They've got, you know, if if they don't have Guardiola, they're still gonna have an elite manager, which is gonna be able to to get a lot out of, of those players. So yeah, I'm gonna go for for the other one. I'm gonna go go with James and and sort of See, see what happens with that. Um, but I think it, it was just such a huge moment, wasn't it? Even even if Liverpool draw that game, I think it would. I mean, it would have done, wouldn't it? In terms of the points, assuming that everyone, everything else stays the same. But uh, yeah, those are one point two millimeters. That's my choice. Well, I mean, it is the choice that I think we all would have made with our hearts. But should your head have been telling you something different, allow me to tell you now. Okay, so these are the consequences. For Guardiola, he is replaced by Mauricio Pochettino. Probably not a massive surprise to most of you out there, uh, which obviously means that PSG don't get him. At this point, he is still uh, Spurs manager, so it means it may destabilise them as well. I think that's probably not going to be enough to make you change your mind, but I thought I'd let you know. Now, with the Origi, Liverpool cash in on him at his high-value point, so we get a good amount of money. Uh, we look to replace him with Diogo Jota. We managed to get Diogo Jota for a considerably cheaper price than we pay eventually. And he yields a much higher performance in the 28 Premier League appearances that he takes from Divock Origi. And then you have to factor in how much better that would have made that team. 
And now the bit you're all caring about. This is what I'm going to say. Now, taking two points from City and adding one to Liverpool, because I hate to break it to you, that game finished 2-2 in this reality. That isn't all that's needed for Liverpool to win the title, because you guys are forgetting one very important point. You're both European champions, so that means there's a Club World Cup to deal with. Ten days in the United Arab Emirates, <clears throat> which means that the two games, Liverpool at home to Manchester United and away against Wolves, are rescheduled for later in the season at a time when we're once again deep into the Champions League, which means that we have other priorities. These two slightly weakened teams mean that those six points from the two wins in reality turn into three points. Unfortunately, we lose a Molyneux. I'm not going to make us do this to Man United. I'm not a monster. So, the new league totals stand at Manchester City 96, Liverpool 95, and we still lose the league by one point. Now, whether you think that that means it's not worth it is up to you. But that's what happens. Now, I haven't given you all three options. Do any of you want to change for something else? Raise your hand if so. I'll take the bait. I'll take the bait. If only, to make, only to make the show more interesting. I will, I will step up. Um, an extra couple of years of Jota is really tempting me. Um, especially, as you've said, in the reality, he performs better over that kind of 28 games that, that Origi fulfilled. Um, but mainly that sort of idea of an extra couple of years learning under the sort of prime front three, if you will. And then already it's a good plan in terms of succession for them. But if we got him in the doors a couple of years earlier, then would really have been ideal. No, I agree. I think that was kind of why I wanted to throw it in there. It's just a little tempter because sometimes you can look at these things and think maybe had he been a year younger when he moved, he may not have had the ability to hit the ground running as he did, Matt. But then you have to factor that in with what James said, is that another year in the Klopp system, another year playing with, frankly, better players than he was playing them on you means that we might have even got even more out of him at that stage. Yeah, no, I, I get that. I mean, I, I disagree slightly in terms of, I think Jota came at the exact right point in his career. I think you needed to, to give him those extra minutes. I know he wasn't a regular, certainly in the second half of, of his final season with Wolves. He did tend to come off the bench for them a fair bit rather than start. But I think just giving him giving him the extra time at Wolves where he could play and, and not have the pressure of, of playing for Liverpool and not having the pressure of replacing Divock Origi even at that point would have been would have been fairly substantial for him. So I think Liverpool do tend to, to sign these players at sort of 23, just about, you know, ready to, to take that next step. I think if you'd have done that a couple of years earlier, it wouldn't necessarily have have the benefits of just he's got a couple more years with Liverpool. It, it might have been might have been slightly different. So it's it's a hard one. Um you certainly would have got him cheaper, which is is interesting. Mm -hmm. And he certainly would have been better than Divock Origi. But I'm just not quite tempted. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Okay. That's interesting. You do raise a very important point though, because that point, the, t the time of when is the right time to bring someone in, I think it's every single transfer, really, or every single uh, talented player has to go through that. And there's been times when Liverpool got it wrong. I think uh, Jurgen Klopp thinks about the time, the chance he had to sign Sadio Mane before 
joined Southampton, he wasn't sure. And like you say, Matt, maybe he had a little bit more learning and growing to do as a player. And maybe it wouldn't have gone as well if you got him at that point. But then sometimes you got to think about other things. And this moves me quite nicely onto the next season. Uh, season 19-20, the season where Liverpool do become Premier League champions after 30 years. Now, in this reality, for both of you, we are currently double back-to-back European champions. So we're feeling quite good about ourselves anyway. But there were still some things that happened in that season that we would rather did not happen. <clears throat> Number one option, there was no pandemic. Now, obviously, this is tempting for quite a lot of reasons. But in terms of football perspective, as I say, Liverpool in this reality are still Premier League champions and we all get to celebrate it properly. We all get to be in the ground and cheer them on with every single kick of the ball that goes into the net. Um, I mean, just thinking about it now, it's got me salivating. So I don't really need to sell that one anymore. There you go. No pandemic. That's option one. Option two, kind of a lead on from what we were just saying. Liverpool signed Haaland instead of Minamino in January. Cost them a little bit more, obviously, but Liverpool make that deal. And it was a deal that we were looking at. We decided to go the other way, mainly because of the the contract situation with Minamino made it feel like a no-brainer. But we we, we stump up the extra money it takes and we bring in Haaland. That's option two. Option three, a game that's remembered for other things, but we also lost it. Liverpool beat Atletico Madrid and reached a third Champions League final in a row. Now, obviously, I say we've reached the final. I didn't say we win the final. That's still up in the air. But that game, for many reasons, feels like a turning point in a lot of things. And I can erase it for you right here, right now. Take Liverpool all the way to, well, not Istanbul, as unfortunately we thought it would be, all the way to Lisbon. So, Matt, you get first choice this time. Which one would you like? It's fairly easy, this one for me. Uh, <laughs> I'm going get, to get rid of the pandemic. Um, I think that has massively hindered Liverpool, um, especially in this reality as they're back-to-back European champions. Um, obviously, there's the emotional side of it. Obviously, wanting to be there as Liverpool go on and win a Premier League title. Um, but even just on the pitch, financially, Liverpool were in a perfect position, I think, at that point to really kick on and, and capitalise on the success that they were having. Um, but the pandemic has, has essentially stopped them from doing that. I think, you know, economically, it's hit Liverpool far more than it's hit Manchester City, Chelsea, teams like that. If anybody didn't need a pandemic, it was probably Liverpool in terms of sort of capitalising on that, making the ground bigger, even just things like merchandise and, and stuff like that, selling kits, mm-hmm. all of those sorts of things make a much bigger difference to, to Liverpool long term than other clubs. And I think Liverpool have had to, to sort of cut back and be a little bit more sensible than, well, certainly the, the two clubs I've mentioned there, Manchester City and Chelsea. It looks like they could just basically spend you know whatever they want this summer. Liverpool in a, a very different situation in reality. So I think the pandemic came at a, a really bad time for, for Liverpool. I wonder as well, you know, would would Takumi Minamino have been different had he not come in during the pandemic? Would there have been, you know, a different sort of thing that, that would have happened that summer in terms of, of transfers? Almost certainly, 
players like Zedan Shakiri, Divock Origi, those sorts of players would have left. Again, a big problem for, for Liverpool this summer is that they're essentially having to do two summers worth of sales of fringe players in one. How much of a difference has, has that made? Well, I think a, a fairly substantial difference. We know that you know homegrown quotas and, and stuff like that mean that this summer, a lot of what they do is, is dependent on, on sales. Again, financially, but but more so in terms of, of the squad. So, yeah, the, the pandemic has, has impacted Liverpool in every single way possible, in a, a much bigger way possible than than lots of other clubs. So, yeah, it's a, it's a no brainer for me. The pandemic goes out the window. That makes a lot of strong points there, James. Uh, almost to the point where it feels like there isn't really much of a decision left. But you've played this game long enough. You know what may well be around the corner, and also. You've seen what that man Harlan can do. Are you tempted away? No, sorry. <laughs> Imagine being the guy who says no. I'll keep the pandemic so we can sign, so we can sign Harlan. Like, it's just on so many levels, it's an awful thing to say. So, yeah, I'm not going down that road. Not for a second. I think. Um, I think in terms of of Harlan as well. I mean, it's easy to say, "Oh, Liverpool should have signed him in, instead of Minamino," but. I think you've got to, to bring Mino Raiola into that. You've got to bring in the whole plan of, of his career, essentially, was let's do Dortmund for a couple of years. We'll move somewhere else. We can get the big sell-on fee. I mean, uh, I spoke to someone earlier in the week and they were kind of saying, well, if he goes this summer or, or next summer, that'll be €15 million Euros for his agent, €10 million Euros for his dad. Sixty-five million, of course, is is the release clause next summer, but it's it's going to be a lot more than that. So it's it's not quite as simple as oh, Liverpool should have just spent the extra money. I think there's other things that come into it, and there's also that wider plan of I think in in Raiola's world, certainly he wants him to do as many clubs as possible because that means as many agents fees as possible as well. Yeah, and 100%, like, the position of Dortmund is quite unique in the sense that they are a big club, but they're also very much a selling club. Mm. They have essentially built this reputation as a finishing school for these kind of young, promising players. They're the only big club who can really promise those minutes. So, Harlan came in, was essentially instantly first name on the team sheet sort of situation. If he signs for Liverpool, obviously in hindsight, you say, well, yeah, of course it made the team. But in reality, that's not necessarily true. You're dealing with a very young striker. Klopp likes phasing people in at the best of times. Mm -hmm. So there's no guarantee whatsoever he gets thrown straight in as Liverpool's first choice number nine, explodes and become the player that we see today. That may well not have happened. So, yeah, it's easy to make that Minamino comparison, but... They're just it's it's too hypothetical. There's we wouldn't be signing the Haaland who we know today, and there's no guarantee that he would turn into that player. I mean, I think he'd have a good chance of turning into it, but I do take your point. He well, if he's not playing, then like, you I mean, know what I mean. Yeah, I take your point. His development may not have gone in the same way. He certainly doesn't feel like the kind of guy who would have been happy sitting on the bench waiting for his chance. And we have to remember, as I keep delight in saying, because I've somehow invented it, Liverpool at this stage are back-to-back European champions. So it would take more than just the talent he has for him to come in. So I see all your things. But now let's look at the consequences, shall we? I'm going to take it from the back. Now, obviously, the Liverpool against Atletico, no one's picked it, so I don't need to spend a lot of time on it. But it was a bit of a red herring because Liverpool were going to lose that final to Bayern Munich, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, 
there wasn't a massive blow from that defeat. Obviously, we still have the title to celebrate, so it wasn't a big deal. Okay. Liverpool signing Haaland. Um, he does have a great start, and he does become the hot new star. Maybe not quite scoring as many goals as he had for Dortmund, but he's certainly scoring as many goals to be compared with that other fella who started like a house on fire, Mo Salah. Haaland is suddenly the name on everyone's lips. Suddenly, Salah feels like we don't care about him anymore. Guess who's back? Yes, you guessed it. It's Real Madrid. They just don't stay away. Um, and yes, in this scenario, we actually do finally let him go and replace him again with Jago Jota. So you guys have avoided that one as well. But this is what you haven't avoided, or maybe you are going to avoid. Liverpool still win the league, obviously, at a canter. And we get to celebrate it. All looking great so far. We're not quite unbeaten. Obviously, the Watford game happened before the pandemic hit, so I'm not giving you that one. But as Matt mentioned, our finances are in a lot better order. So we are able to go with what is plan A. And if you remember from the summer, the general consensus was plan A was to sign Timo Werner. So that's exactly what we've done. Congratulations, you just bought Timo Werner. That's where we are now. So now we're moving to this season just past. Again, quite a few options of things that maybe Liverpool fans would like to change. I'm only going to give you three, although, again, you can probably guess the first one. So the first one is Virgil van Dijk doesn't get injured. Imagine that. Now, everything else still happens. Everybody else still gets injured, except Virgil. That's option one. Option two, we don't have to see the sad sight of Sadio Mane looking like he doesn't remember how to play football anymore. His loss of form is a thing of the past. He's exactly as good as he was the season before. That's option two. And option three, that home record, the one that we were so proud of, the one that got absolutely obliterated by everybody who happened to be passing through for the six weeks in a row. Well, we still got it. All of those defeats are null and void. Liverpool are still unbeaten at home going into an unprecedented fourth season. Those are your three options. James, it's your turn to pick first. Yeah, some, some cracking choices there. Um, the, the, the kind of heart option, which this time I am going to ignore, is probably the home record one. That would be that would be very interesting to, to beat that long-standing Mourinho-Chelsea record would be very mm-hmm. satisfying. And just to have another another notch in the record books, because there, there was that time where Liverpool went 17 games winning streak in a row, which tied Man City's, and then we lost the next one, then we won the next 16 or something, which would, it doesn't matter, but it's frustrating because it's just like, just something which would be nice to have. So if we could have got that home record, it would have been pleasing in that sense. But but no, I think what you have to do is is reverse the Van Dijk injury. Um, it affects so much of how the team plays. And you mentioned Mane in your option too. I think even he would have had a better season if Van Dijk had stayed fit. It sounds odd given that you know Van Dijk's the centre-back. But you just look at goals like um, the Bayern Munich one, for example, where Van Dijk pings it through, Mane takes it on and then scores that unbelievable goal past Neuer, of course. Um, that's the more direct example. But there's plenty of instances where 
Van Dyke's passing range, his his progressiveness, it does affect how Liverpool attack and it improves how Liverpool attack. Um, there's also just the general confidence point, having someone like him in the team, it raises everyone's levels. It's a bit of a cliche, but it's true. We saw that in how the season actually panned out. Hmm. So, yeah, um, obviously with all the other defensive injuries, it's not going to be a fix-all, but anyone who ended up playing at centre-back, I would back to do well with Van Dijk as the partner. So, yeah, it, it's got to be Van Dijk. I mean, I, I have a funny feeling that I could do all right next to him. Maybe not a Premier League game, maybe a League Cup game, but I, I reckon I could give it a good go. Um, and once again, Matt, it feels like there's one option that looks like it's the most tempting. But as you know, in this game, not everything is as tempting as it looks. And we have to remember the fact that Virgil van Dijk was involved in some poor performances for Liverpool this season before he got injured. He was on the pitch at Villa Park when uh, that absolute disaster happened. So just keeping him fit is not necessarily a guarantee of anything, is it? Is it is that enough to tempt you? No, I'm still going to go with it. I know, I know what you mean. Um, obviously, there were at times poor performances from him, but I think even a poor Virgil van Dijk is better than the options, or certainly most of the options that Liverpool had throughout most of last season. Um, is it going to be enough to, to win Liverpool the league? Probably not. I think it's 17 points off top that, that Liverpool finish. In the end, is he going to, on his own, be worth 17 points? I don't think he's a million miles off. He might be worth 10 points, but I don't think uh, I don't think 17. But uh, yeah, I think I'm going to go with Van Dijk. Obviously, for all the, the reasons that, that James has said, the fact that it means that Fabinho wouldn't necessarily have to drop back as much, that's a huge thing. Mm-hmm. And just, yeah, I just think it, it helps everyone on the pitch, doesn't it? It helps everyone from the goalkeeper to the centre-forward, just him being on the pitch. It's just a massive thing, isn't it? I think you're right there. I think you have to factor in as well the psychology of what it did to our opponents because he is such a, he has such an aura about him when he's on the field that people just believe that they've got to work so hard to beat him that it's almost like they become half-defeated before they even try. And not only that, but the idea of a Van Dyke-less Liverpool gives everybody a lift thinking, oh, well, that guy's not there. So clearly they're going to be easier to beat this time just straight away. So you've got to think about those kind of things. And again, the nature of this game means we try to work out the good and the bad of all of these scenarios. But the simple fact is, is that, yes, there is some bad. I do think that Van Dyke, as I mentioned, he would not be, um, it would not be above the mental malaise that gripped the whole squad in those three months because it wasn't just about the injuries. It was the situation we've been through, as we've mentioned, with the pandemic, with the not being able to celebrate, with the shortness of pre-season and having to go again. There were lots of reasons why Liverpool failed to meet the performance levels that they did in that time. But him being there did have an effect on a lot of things, I think it's fair to say. In my reality, him not being injured means that Fabinho and Henderson aren't injured either because a large part of their injury issues was having to play in defence, having to put your body through different pressures, having to do different things. And I do believe that that was what contributed to their injuries. So with Van Dijk back, Henderson and Fabinho suddenly come back as well. And what that means is that when we win 
at um, Selhurst Park, 7-0, to go five points clear of everybody. We're able to maintain that cushion in the second half of the season with Van Dijk, with Fabinho, with Henderson. And yes, we do indeed retain the title. So congratulations. You both have lost one the league. Now, for the interests of um, full disclosure, the other two options, the consequences were as following. With the unbeaten home record, basically, it doesn't really change that much. Uh, the Burnley, Brighton and Fulham games are now wins. I think Everton, Chelsea and City are draws. So that's 12 more points, plus two each off of City and Chelsea. It's close, but Liverpool still end up losing the title by three points in that scenario. But everyone feels a little bit happier about themselves, I think it's fair to say. With the Sadio Mane one, the reality is he actually only scored six goals less in all competitions last season than the season before, which surprised me when I looked at it because it felt like a lot less. But the main difference I think it would have is on the future and the perception of Sadio. Because if we wind the clock back to the beginning of last season, there were lots of people who were saying that he was the most important man in our team. He was the best attacker. He was the next man to win the Ballon d'Or. They were saying that above Mo Salah. There were lots of talk about, if we have to lose one of them to get Mbappe, I'd rather lose Salah. I heard that a lot of times from Liverpool fans. And then obviously the season he had has maybe made people revise that. So that's where the change comes in this reality. In this one where he doesn't lose form, he continues on that trajectory. And yet, you guessed it, those silly fellas of Madrid come back and they're after him again and we have to dance that same old dance. So I feel like you chose the right decision there, keeping Van Dyke. As I've said, that it's already secured the title. So that's where we are. We're up to we're up to we're up to um, you know, present day. Looking forward to a season in which Liverpool have just won two Premier Leagues and two Champions Leagues in the last four years. Managed to uh, maintain a high level of squads, although a lot of them are starting to get old now. That problem hasn't gone away. You guys haven't really solved that because neither of you pulled the Mbappe button. Maybe now that we're a more formidable side, that won't happen. Obviously, pandemic hasn't happened, so finances are in a little bit of a better place. So maybe in your world, despite what happened with Timo Werner, who is now at the club, let's not forget that, maybe in your world, Mbappe does happen. Maybe in your world, we have the money and status to make that happen. But we'll have to wait and see. James, Matt, I have to say, I have enjoyed going back through this and it has made me realise that it's not as easy as it looks. Sometimes things that look simple, they're not that simple, are they, James? Well, I don't know. We've pulled in enough Champions League and Premier League between the two of us. I think it's quite easy. Don't know what they're what <laughs> doing. That's it. I'm converted. <laughs> get, get me and Matt in. We're smashing it. Um, but no, no, there's definitely, there's always going to be a lot of factors at play and these decisions aren't made in a vacuum. And yeah, it's you. you've made the point eloquently that Whatever decisions are made, there are consequences, often unforeseen consequences. And yeah, it's it's a tricky job. I, I wouldn't want it uh, for anything other than a two-part podcast special. <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably going to be our limit in terms of getting that opportunity as well, James, by the way. But um, Matt, it's funny. We, we can still kind of hold FSG's feet to the fire when we feel like they're not doing what they should be. But it is a, a nice reminder that sometimes... 
things that we think are bad decisions, actually the future or time can turn them into good decisions. Yeah, absolutely. And there's there's an element of, of chance and luck in there, isn't there, as well, with certain decisions, certain ways that you've played things. Obviously, Timo Werner, everybody was absolutely convinced, you know, just what, 18 months or so ago, that he would be perfect for Liverpool. He would be, you know, the, the next step, the perfect one. But then, obviously, the pandemic comes in, that changes, they end up with Jota. And I think that's probably worked out for, for the best for Liverpool. So there's loads of, of different things, loads of knock-on effects. And yeah, it, it's easy sometimes to, to criticise, you know, what they do. But sometimes they, they do it right. Sometimes they do it wrong. And as we've just proven, it's it's a lot more difficult than, than you first think. Yes, it is. Now, I hope all of you out there have enjoyed this. I know I've enjoyed putting it all together and going back through all these things. Um, we are going to be talking about things that are happening in the real world next week and particularly things that are going to be happening this season. But for now, James, Matt, thank you very much and thank you all for listening.